0: And so I'm just going to close with this before Shauna comes up with uh, uh, for the opening prayer. Uh, the theme you'll see uh, of the revival this week is hold to God's unchanging hand. Uh, there was a song we sang in the church when I was growing up, and a lot of people I've found, I've been asking, don't seem to know this song. If you get a chance to go on YouTube or something and hear a good choir sing this, it's a fantastic song, but the words uh, have always uh, just, uh, to me, been filled with meaning and are so true. Uh, it's, it's, it's called, again, the song is Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. Time is filled with swift transition. Not of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hope on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. And it goes on. I won't go through the whole song except to say that there is nothing truer than this life, that life passes by quickly. And everything is in constant change, except for one thing. That's the hand of God that can sustain us and hold us and lead us and carry us through every everything that we experience in this life. Uh, I, I will just share, too, that I was reading recently, and this is when I thought of this song and this theme, that uh, uh, if you're a physicist, there are uh, nine different things in the universe, uh, so uh, nine different dimensions that you can travel through, so you can go frontwards and backwards. you can go up and down, left and right, but there is a tenth dimension. I know you think in five and six and seven dimensions, but this is in physics. The only one that you cannot go forward and backwards in is time is time. It's always moving forward. But God, God is not in time. God transcends time. And so he knows where you have been and he knows where you're going to be. And uh, that's the one I'm going to trust in, not man's knowledge or wisdom but in that one. And so Shana's going to bring us, I know, a terrific message around this this evening. And uh, just hold her up in prayer uh, as you're sitting here in the pews or if you're standing and singing, keep her in your prayers this evening that God's Spirit will, will move her and speak through her. And I'm going to ask her to come on up and bless us with an opening prayer.
1: Thank you all for having me. I'm excited to be home and uh, to bring the message to you this evening. Let us pray. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit. Like a mighty flood into the hearts of all your people, those who are called by your name, may our hearts be washed by the water of the word and the purifying light of the Holy Spirit. Cleanse the thoughts, wash the hearts and purify the minds of those who are part of the church, which is your body. Lord, we pray that you would revive the hearts of all believers and especially those who have left their first love who have become involved in a distorted gospel, fallen into legalism, or become lukewarm toward you. And draw each one back into a right relationship with you and with each other. Revive your people, we pray, and turn the hearts of all your people back to yourself. Lord, stir your might and come to save us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our scripture tonight is from Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27, and I'll share some more scriptures with you during my message. It says, At the beginning you existed and laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They shall perish, but you shall remain and endure. Yes, all of them shall wear out and become old like a garment. Like clothing, you shall change them, and they shall be changed and pass away. But you, but you remain the same, and your years shall have no end. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I was so proud of myself. Last week I finished my sermon for Sunday on Tuesday, I finished this sermon on Wednesday, I was ahead of the game, and then I was in my office yesterday afternoon reading over tonight's message and realized it was not the message that God wanted you all to hear tonight. (laughs) So it was a late night rewrite, and I pray that your hearts will be revived this evening. Psalm 80 is a prayer for Israel's restoration. I believe this world and us, the people of God, are in need of restoration. We're in need of revival. Amen? So part, two of, ver- uh, uh, part of verse 2 in Psalm 80 says, Stir up your might and come to save us. I remember the year I was licensed Bishop Lewis, at our annual conference, talked about us going home and stirring things up in our churches and in our communities. And I, will, I have not forgotten her words, and for those that know me well, know that I love to stir things up, <laughs> unless it's in a kitchen, amen? Let us pray. Dear God, stir up your might and come to save us. May we be so revived that we cannot rest until we share your good news with everyone we encounter. Amen. I think you can tell I'm excited to be here this evening to start this week of revival. But what does revival even mean? I'm glad you asked. The dictionary defines revival as an act or instance of reviving the state of being revived, such as renewed attention to or interest in something. We can lose our interest in church. We can lose interest in reading our Bible. And we can grow weary with all our church commitments. Can we not? So we need a renewed attention to our faith walk. It also says a new presentation or publication of something old. We have services like this. It's a little different than our typical Sunday service, even though the old message is still the same, but we can retell it in a different and new way. Revival is also a period of renewed religious interest. Revival gives us a renewed interest in church, wanting to go on mission trips, Wanting to take a Bible study, go deeper into God's Word, know more about God. But I think we are most familiar with the late Billy Graham and his revivals. And many came to Christ to those revivals. I often wish I had the gift of preaching in such a way that multitudes would come forward to accept Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away anything from Billy Graham, but at the end of his revivals, he packed up and headed to the next town. You see, this was God's call for Billy Graham. He was able to proclaim the good news to millions of people, and many lives were changed because Billy Graham was a faithful servant to God. I am called to proclaim the good news to those in this community and anyone I might encounter. I'm not packing up and headed to the next town. I'm going to do everything that I can through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring revival right here, right now. And not just for a few nights, but as long as God allows. It's not about the 99 righteous Persons that God throws a party for. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's about that one. The one who was lost and finds his way home. That's my call. So, as you heard Bob say, our theme this week is holding to God's unchanging hand. And as I thought about that, I found it ironic that everything changes. Except for God. Change is inevitable in our lives, but where is our hope? Is our hope in the things of this world, or is our hope in the one who does not change? If you are unsure at this moment where your hope is, I pray that by the end of this night, that you will experience the one, the one who does not change. As I worked on this message last week, I did come across several articles on change. And most had very good advice on change, how to deal with it, how to make positive changes in your life. Yet none of them mentioned God. And maybe it's just the preacher in me, but when I read something or look at something, I look for God. I think back on all of the changes since my birth. And to be honest, it's pretty overwhelming. And I'm guessing most of you can relate if you think back on all the changes that you've had to go through in your life. But what I also know is that as I think back on all of those changes, there has only always been one constant, God and church. That's two, but I'm putting them together. (laughs) So God and my church family consoled me after my parents died. God and my church family celebrated the birth of my beautiful daughter, Anita. I for- almost forgot her name. I don't- <laughs> God and my church family gave me opportunities to learn more about God. God and my church family gave me the strength and the encouragement to pursue pastoral ministry. I went through all of those changes holding to the unchanging hand of God. And I would not change anything. You hear what I'm saying? I would not bring my mom and my dad back, even if I could. I would not change anything because it was exactly the way it was supposed to be. Because my God does not change. I read part of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 the other week at Bill Maley's funeral memorial service. And it says For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sew. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. There are seasons and there are reasons for our changes in our lives. And if we are trusting in the one who does not change, then we will eventually see God's plan unfold. And if we want real change in our lives, we need to open up the Bible and start reading it. Scripture tells us that God's word endures forever. There is power in the living word of God. Amen. First Peter 1 Peter 1:23 through 25 says, "For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall." But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. We have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Do you remember the hee-haw song? I searched the world over and thought I found true love, but you found another and you was gone. Well, Larry and Phyllis, Mosey, you remember the hee-haw we did a few years ago? They sang that, and they did a way better job than they ever did on the show. Anyways, I do have a point. We can search the world over to find something better. There are many religions, there are plenty of self-help books that should solve any and all our problems. And those might work for a while. But the world, what the world has to offer compared to what God has to offer, is extremely limited and it's not everlasting. The world is forever changing, but God does not change. God's word is living and endures forever. God who does not change will change everything in us. Do you hear what I'm saying? The God who does not change will change everything in us if we allow him into our hearts. I was out preached the other week by a (laughs) four-year-old. And I loved every minute. And I'm talking about little Josie. I posted on Facebook the other week and what she said during children's time. And she says, "If, if Jesus is in your hearts, you're happy. And if Jesus is not, you're sad. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And do you know what the most beautiful thing was about that simple... But true message, that it came from the mouth of an innocent child. And little Josie believes with all her heart that if Jesus is in your heart, you're happy. And that little girl's happy. Dear God, stir up your might and come to save us. If God is not in our hearts, we need to invite him in. God is the only one we can count on. There is nothing and no one who can love, heal, forgive, and redeem us the way God will. I was watching a movie, and I cannot recall the name, but a young couple were having an engagement party in their very expensive apartment. The gentleman was well-educated, had a high-paying job, but during the party, the fire alarm went off, which is ironic because it did that at the community center today. It works, it's loud. But anyways, he scurried around the apartment, getting his precious treasures together, his phone, his computer, etc., and he totally ignored his fiance. And in that moment, she realized where his treasures were. And they were very different from hers. What is important to us? If God pulled the fire alarm, what would we grab in a panic? How many would grab their Bibles first? I would like to say with confidence that I would grab my Bible, but in a moment like that, my husband Tracy is yelling at me going, Shauna, get the guns and the ammo and the fishing poles. Come on, girl. (laughs) You know what's important. And I know some of the men in here agree with that. (laughs) But I think this scenario is important for us to think about. When we find ourselves in a difficult situation, where do we turn? Where is our hope? Is our hope in God? Is it in the one who does not change? Because if it is, then we are able to get through anything. I believe that. I've witnessed it, and I've witnessed it in here. I have seen you all overcome things that were impossible, but you did because of your faith in a God who does not change. Hebrews 13, 8 reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3, 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. In order to survive changes that we encounter in our lifetime, we need to ask God into our hearts, and we need to know God's word. At school this summer, my instructor for Introduction to Bible held a Bible in his hand and asked, "What is it?" We're like, "Well, duh, it's a Bible." And he threw it on the floor, and we all gasped. You don't treat your Bible that way. You don't just so. He picked it up. It says just a book. I can go on Amazon and get four more. It's just a book until you open it. And when you open it, and when you read it, and when you study it, it becomes more than just a book. It's the living Word of God. And we learned in our recent Bible study that this is the most unique book ever written. It's living, it's life-changing. How can something written by so many people over 1,500 years, so long ago, be relevant to us today? We don't dress like them, we don't talk like them, but if you read it, it sure is relevant to us, isn't it? But if it sits on your nightstand... Unopen, it's just a book. I encourage you, if you want revival in your life, if you want revival in our churches, if you want revival in our communities, pick this magnificent book up. Open it, read it, study it, live it, and then you better hold on to something. Because God is going to stir up his might, and he's going to come to save us. Amen? Amen? I will close with this story. And I shared this in a sermon a few weeks ago, and it's appropriate for our revival tonight with the theme of holding to God's unchanging hand. It's about King George VI. It was in 1939 that it was wartime in Europe. And he lifted countless spirits through a Christmas message that was broadcast to the British Empire. And he quoted these lines from a poem by Minnie Louise Haskins. It says, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread into the unknown. And he replied, Go into the darkness, and put your hand in the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light. And safer than a known way. Go into the darkness. And put your hand in the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light. And safer than a known way. If we want to live a life forever changed, we must read the living word of God and hold to God's unchanging hand. Dear God, stir up your might and come to save us. Amen. It's a lot of responsibility, and it's a huge honor to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, and I'm loving every minute of it. So thank you all for so many years of support and allowing me to do what God has called me to do. And I pray that as you leave here tonight, that you know the God who does not change, and that all your hope is in him. But I want to share this benediction, and I shared this a few years ago. It's um, from Bishop White. And it's during the closing session of the annual conference in Denver, Colorado, April 26, 1996. And now, may the Lord torment you. May the Lord keep before you the faces of the hungry and the lonely and the rejected and the despised. And may the Lord give you courage and strength and compassion to make ours a better world to make your community a better community, to make your church a better church. And may you do your very best to make it so. And after you have done your best, Lord, grant you peace. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.